And I'm going to journey us through Matthew's account of the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And um, I don't know, I really, like, I suppose toiled isn't quite the right word, but I've been wrestling all week which account to pick. And literally, I just... Yeah, I feel this is the one um, for us this evening, because there's lots of things I could say, but I think this is the passage God wants us to hear. So Matthew 28, if you want to follow it, otherwise the words will come up on the screen. There they are. Ta-da! And um, let's just, let's go for it. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. So here we have this incredible woman who was set free by the power of Jesus coming to the place where she thought he has been buried and he is behind a massive stone. She's looking at this tomb. We've seen multiple pictures, haven't we? And we have images of our mind about what she would have come to look at. So these two Marys are there and they're just staring at what hope had been (laughs) at the saviour who had done amazing things for them. But then it says this in verse 2. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and he went to the tomb too. And in going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. Can you imagine the scene? (laughs) The ground is shaking. There's a sound in the atmosphere. It would have been spine tingling. And then as if that's not enough, in this eerie moment, an angel comes and is just casually chilling on the stone. (laughs) You know, you just think, What's going on here? And so the thing that had blocked in the tomb was now completely gone. And one of the things that I found, um, when you reread scripture and these ancient texts that we've had and we roll over them year after year, listening to the Spirit of God to speak to us, I was thinking, what would have happened if the stone hadn't been moved? They wouldn't have been able to see what God had done. There would have been an assumption he'd done nothing. And I wonder how many of us are sitting here tonight, maybe making a wrong assumption that because we haven't seen, we haven't had personal access into something behind closed doors, behind a stone, but God has been doing something. And for some of us this evening, we need the earth to shake. (laughs) We need that earthquake to get the stone moved. We need that angelic power from heaven to come and just show us, no, the angel is sitting on the stone that was blocking your view. So the stone wasn't moved because Jesus needed the stone to move to be resurrected. He was already out of there. (laughs) It wasn't the stone that was blocking him. The stone was blocking us seeing the power of God and that Jesus had already gone. He had already been moving. He had already been plundering the gates of hell, taking back the keys. He wasn't there. He was somewhere else sorting the important business out. And I wonder how many of us would have got to that place and made an assumption, God's not doing anything. 
Because sometimes that's me because I haven't seen it personally. So the stone wasn't moved for Jesus to get out. The stone was moved so we could see in. So Mary, who knew already the power of God, but would have looked at that thing without the stone being gone and been so disappointed. But the ground shook, the angel came, sat down on the thing that was moved. So everyone could see he's gone. (laughs) And these soldiers, I wonder how stupidly they'd been standing there, how many days it had been. We don't actually know how many days they stood there. They stood there for three, but at what point had he gone? (laughs) Just like, oh, (laughs) a pointless role. But I wonder what it is that has blocked your view, (laughs) what your stone is. The thing that makes you think, I can't see in there what God has been up to. When perhaps he's been plundering the hell in your life. He literally gets the hell out of us, doesn't he? (laughs) And breathes the life of heaven. Even if we can't see it. We sing that song, even when I can't see it, you're moving. But if that stone hadn't gone, would we be able to sing that song? And the things that are the lifeless places, the hopeless places, the stone blockers, the disappointments. God is sending things to shake the ground, a sound in the atmosphere, the power of the angels of heaven to come and sit on those things calmly with authority. Enter in. And this is how the angel was described by Matthew in his account. His appearance was like lightning. Can you imagine? Lightning's pretty bright. (laughs) His clothes were as white as snow. And the guards were so afraid just of the angel that they shook and they became like dead men. (laughs) They were totally, utterly terrified. These stones were pretty heavy that went over the tombs. There was no way anyone could have broken out of there. But the earthquake came and the angelic forces of heaven pushed it away for everyone to see Jesus has risen. He's not in here anymore. I'm not surprised they conked out (laughs) and they shook. I think I would have shaken and been totally terrified too. And then the angel who's sitting on the stone starts to have a conversation with the women who've come. Do not be afraid. How amazing. It's like easy for you to say, angels. (laughs) You spend your time around the throne room of heaven. And they said, I know you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He's not here. (laughs) He has risen. Just as he said. And some of the things that Jesus has said to us, they will be just as he said. But maybe we need to come We need to peer in to those tomb-like places and have a good look for ourselves 
because God has been shaking the ground in our nation and God might have been shaking the ground in your lives like an earthquake. But maybe it isn't just we blame the world for its brokenness. Maybe God is needing to move the stones out of our lives so that we can see. And here's the the invitation from the angel. Come and see the place where he lay. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) And I love what Jesus said by his spirit to John in John's revelations at the really end of the Bible, at the end of the scriptures, Revelation 1 verse 18, Jesus says this, I am he who lives and was dead, but behold, I'm alive forever and I have the keys of Hades and death that's where he went. He went a plundering. <laughs> he took them back. <laughs> he wasn't in there in the tomb. So then the angel says this to the women, go quickly. Don't just stand there staring for too long. There's nothing to see anymore. He's done the stuff. He's not here, he's risen. Tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now I've told you. And Jesus is going ahead for us somewhere to meet some people who we need to give a heads up to. Jesus is coming, he's risen, and he wants to meet you in your life. And over the next week or so, I really encourage you to read through the scriptures about how he interacted with so many people as the resurrected saviour. It's so fascinating what he does and what he calls us to and how he commissions us and how he sends his power upon us and how he breathes his life into us and says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, receive my life force into your physical bodies, into your souls, into your minds, into your spirits. Read those texts. They are amazing. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And so he said to them, go ahead and warn people that Jesus is coming. He's coming for them. He's risen for them. He's taken the keys of hell for them. He's defeated death for them. And he'll meet them in Galilee. And he'll meet your friends somewhere. He'll meet your family somewhere. His spirit is going ahead of you. Get people ready, guys. Get them ready. And then, listen to this. So the women... They hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid. I'd be afraid, right? (laughs) Do you be afraid? A sort of sense of, I could really mess this up. (laughs) Wow, and I've just seen an angel. And wow, the ground has been shaking. And there was a massive earthquake. And the whole stone that was massive has moved. And Jesus isn't there. He's been plundering hell. So I'm terrified in a really amazing way of the reverence, of the holiness, of the power of the king. But they're afraid and also filled with joy. Because he wasn't there, he was risen, just as he said. And so they ran to tell his disciples. Just imagine what on earth would have greeted them. Hey guys, (laughs) 
And there's lots of accounts that tell the mixed reviews of how the disciples received these two women, let me tell you. <laughs> but then this happens, verse 9, casually, just written into the text. Suddenly, Jesus met them. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> this, these women get like top-notch marks for being first on the scene. And he just said this, greetings, <laughs> comedy gold <laughs> from the saviour of the universe. Greetings, earthlings. <laughs> oh, I see you've noticed that I've escaped the grave, plundered hell, got the keys. <laughs> Was dead, now I'm here. Surprise! <laughs> and then they came to him. They got closer to him. And Jesus is greeting us today. And he wants us to get closer to him. Clasp a hold of him. <laughs> they grabbed his feet. And they worshipped him. Of course they did. And again, he said what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Do you think we might need to hear that? <laughs> the angel said it at the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus himself said it as a resurrected man. Maybe we need to hear it. Because <laughs> if they're still scared then and Jesus is just resurrected in their sight, I wonder how much we need to hear it. Do not be afraid. <laughs> Scripture says, doesn't it? Do not be afraid. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And I think over the last couple of years, fear has settled on us. A little bit of fear here and there. And it's a heavy, oppressive spirit. <laughs> that actually needs breaking. And the words of Jesus, break it. Do not let fear settle upon you. Do not be afraid, says Jesus. Paul says, doesn't he, to Timothy, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. Does anyone need to hear that? Your spirit isn't a scared one. You're a child of the Most High God. And so hear these reassuring words of the resurrected Jesus. Do not be afraid. And then he says this. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Again, go and tell. <laughs> Get someone ready. Because I am about to come encounter them, meet with them, introduce myself to them, save them, heal them, deliver them, set them into a hope for eternity, and they will see me. And he was right. <laughs> Isn't this an amazing account? <laughs> Paul prays, and wishes lots of things for us Christians. And some of them he wrote down, some of them are not recorded, and I'm sure he thought of lots of things. But he was an early follower of Jesus who had 
the power of God transform his life, the resurrected Jesus encounter him, fill him and co-mission him. He was changed dramatically from a man planning a mass genocide to the first, one of the first church planters in the non-Jewish world. And he prayed so many prayers and he poured his heart out in letters with his best wishes for us lot to read later on. And listen to the words he said in Romans 6.10, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. <laughs> Think about the power that we just heard about, the thunderous power of God. And then Paul's praying, wow, that same Spirit who raised Jesus is at work in the church, <laughs> in the people, in me, and in you. <laughs> He also said to the Philippians, I really want to know Christ and experience the same mighty power that raised him from the dead. And he wants us to really know Christ and experience that power. Not just know the same power lives in us, but now experience that power. I've told you about how he wrote to Timothy saying, God did not give you fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And then in Ephesians 1, he wrote a beautiful long prayer, starting at verse 18, where he said, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you will know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, his incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above rule, authority, power and dominion, every name invoked not only in this age but also in the age to come. He prayed for us and the Ephesians to have power. And who would we be as the children of the Most High God who would read in these scriptures from these ancient texts, from these eyewitness historical accounts just to read a story, close our Bibles and carry on with our lives and not think, wow, God could do it in my life. So his prayers were for hope. Paul's prayers were about inheritance. You generally don't get inheritance in someone until someone has died. Jesus has died. So we get the full inheritance of God. That's quite good, isn't it? And he talked about this incomparably great power. And the word power, often in the Greek, in the New Testament, particularly in that passage to the Ephesian church, is the name dunamis. Can everyone say dunamis? Dunamis. Very good. I feel like you could have given it a bit more oomph, but I'm not going to judge because, you know, Jesus came to save and not to condemn. So it was a Greek word for power. And it's where we get the word in English, dynamite. So the same power, the same dynamite that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. <laughs> the same power who conquered the grave can be experienced by you. The same power, the dynamite power of God poof, comes into you 
flows out of you. Think about that. And I love how Peter and John, they caught this. Someone asked them for some money very shortly after this all happened. This guy was lame and he said, please, can I have some money? And they were like, I got nothing, guys. But they were like, wait, I have got this. I have the dynamite power of God. And the hand was theirs, but the power was God's. And they reached it out to this man. And it said his legs strengthened. He stood on his feet. He jumped up. And then we sang songs like as children about it. He went walking, leaping and praising God. I remember singing it at Sunday school for years. And I just used to sing it like a song. And I was like, no, wait a second. This is the power that conquered the grave was in those guys. And as they reached out to touch, the power fell through them to that lame man. And do you know what? The power of God wants to flow through you. (laughs) Otherwise, it's just a cute story. And we may as well just tell the Easter bunny tale, which who knows what on earth that's about. (laughs) Because we have hope, we have inheritance, and we have power. And it's because of God. (laughs) Resurrecting Jesus and being so kind as to move the stone (laughs) so we could see, so Mary could see he's not here. He's done something that you couldn't see. Trust in the times when there's a stone there. He could just very well be continuing to plunder hell for you. (laughs) Dealing with the stuff in your family, behind the scenes, behind the stone. And one day, the great reveal (laughs) will come. The angel will be sitting on it going, have a look here, look what he's been doing. (laughs) Because this is our God. And this is our story as the church, isn't it? (laughs) And so I'd love to just pray for us and we're gonna take communion. And it's a really, really powerful symbolic act because I'm talking about that dynamo power, that dynamite, that supercharged power of God's holiness coming into you. And so as you take what we call elements, the symbolic pictures, and people interact with them in different ways, why don't you just imagine the power of God coming into you? You drink that wine and we remember those scriptures. By his wounds we're healed. Imagine the healing power of God coming into you, ready to flow out of you to everyone you meet. Imagine the broken body of Jesus that then rose coming into you. He took the keys of hell. He still got them. And his hope of heaven sits inside you. So tomorrow, whatever you're doing, you're walking round the power of God in your home, in your street, to your friends, to your colleagues, to your neighbours. You carry the power of God.